Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and the light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're talking about uh, discovering our gift the deposit that God's made in our lives that we're to use to His honor and to His glory. And just briefly, real quick, uh, just to review, these things we can do to discover the gift that God has placed within us. And number one, make sure you've got a true experience with God. You've got to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, like Paul on the road to Damascus when he was Saul met Jesus. Secondly, spend some time in prayer, just seeking the face of God like Paul did. Lord, what will you have me to do? And then he began to pray for three days, and he fasted for three days. And then spent some time in the Word. After that, Jesus taught him for three and a half years the Word. And uh, that's why he was able to teach the people that he taught, because he was one who received the Word from Jesus. And then next, it's important to see to it that you do whatever it is that your hand finds to do. Whatever it is that your hand finds to do, show the Lord that you have a desire to serve Him in any way that He would have you to serve Him. And finally, Ask, answer this question for yourself. Or, or listen to what others say about you. Listen to what others say about you because they can see some things in you that maybe you can't see for yourself. They can see a gift emerging within you and they can identify it and sometimes it's hard for us to do that. But then finally, answer the question, what brings joy to my heart? I delight in doing this, whatever it is. It might be this, it might be that, the other thing. I delight in that and that's something that's emerging from within your spirit that God's placed within you that you're to pursue. And so those are the five six, five, six things there that will help us better understand how we can discover the gift. As we continue our study, look in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 5 through 9. And this is in the NIV version. For just as each of us has one body and with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cleave to what is good. Everybody's warm out there today. It looks like everybody's warm. We need to cool off a little bit. Um... Never easy to adjust the temperature in here. But anyhow, before we look at some of these things real quick, in the book of Romans chapter 12, notice where Paul the Apostle started in verse 1. He talked about you've got to do something with your body. Now that you're saved, you've got a body that needs to be what? Dedicated to the Lord. Number two, you've got a mind that needs what? Renewed to the Word of God. 
So it's up to you or up to me to do something with our body, to do something with our mind. Thirdly, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to in verse 3 of chapter 12, which means humility, walk in humility. And then he said, he's dealt to every man the measure of faith. So now notice what he's talking about in this chapter. He's talking about, first of all, your flesh is going to give you a problem. You've got to keep it under control. Your mind is not taught to think right, so you've got to get your mind renewed to the Word of God. You can't think more highly of yourself because you get full of pride. And then you'll get to a place where you think you can tell yourself where you need to be in the body. And we just can't do that. He has to place us. It takes humility to really submit to what his leadership is, to say, okay, that's where I belong. That's where I belong. You know more than I do. And then, of course, he said, use your faith. It's going to take faith. That's why he said, if you're going to prophesy, whatever you're going to do, use your faith to do it. This is where God's calling is in my life, and this is what he's called me to do, and I'm going to use my faith to accomplish it. Okay? So let's keep those thoughts in mind, because when you're humble that way, then God can say, okay, I can use you. I can place you here, because I know wherever I place you, you're going to submit to my leadership. Well, let me ask you a question. Does anybody here think that they know more than God? Not one hand went up. So he knows more than we do, doesn't he? He knows where we better fit in, doesn't he? Amen. So we want to listen to his leadership. Now the first gift is prophecy. Prophecy. And by definition, prophecy actually what it means is that you have this divine inspiration. Now these gifts, these seven gifts that he just mentioned that we just read, these gifts are gifts given to every single one of us. For what purpose? To glorify God and also to invest in lives of other people, the benefit of the people. And also, what these gifts do is they affect our personality. We act the way we act because that's our personality. But also, they're the motivating force that drives us in life. You're more driven to do something because you have that gift on the inside of you that drives you to do what you're doing. So it's your motivational force that you operate in in your life. And once again, that thing will emerge. And even though the enemy would want to cloud it and cloud your mind so that you can't see it clearly, it's up to us to continue doing the right thing that we just said. Stay before God. Do what your hand finds to do. What produces joy in your heart. And then continue pursuing those things and it will emerge. But prophecy is inspired utterance. Have you ever been in a situation where maybe you began to minister to somebody and all of a sudden you went into another gear? And the anointing of God came upon you and you began to speak out. And you're speaking out not prophetically as far as you're going to give prediction. But a proclamation where you're proclaiming something. And what's happening is this. You're either exhorting someone or warning someone. And you're doing it supernaturally. It's something that's on the inside of you that you just produce and speak out. But ultimately let's remember this. Never forget this. That last verse, verse 9 that we just read said the whole purpose is this. Number one, to to really promote love among the people within the body of Christ. Number two, to avoid evil and don't let it get a hold on you. Number three, see to it that you cleave or glue yourself to what is good. So he's talking about the setting where there's a body of believers that are working together to accomplish the purpose of God, to avoid the attack of the enemy, to keep the enemy on the outside. Everyone has a place. Everyone has a part. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has an anointing. Everyone has a body to deal with, a soul to deal with, right? We all have to deal with it. And we've got faith. But also we have to humble ourselves before God and recognize where do I fit in here? Lord, show me where I fit in because that's what I want to do. Okay, so when you're speaking to others to inspire them or to even correct them, it's important. We understand that there's a need to do that. Because sometimes younger ones in the Lord don't see things 
as clearly as they should. And so they need to be encouraged and lifted up. Now, a better rendering of this particular word, prophesy, prophesying, or prophesying, or prophecy, is someone who perceives, a perceiver. You perceive certain things. You view people through the eyes of the Word of God, and you can see some things in people's lives. And this is a dangerous situation. And you're going to see this in just a moment. Uh, because we want to get to a point to where we're encouraging people, not criticizing people, not judging people. But we're investing in people. We're helping people. And if God gives you this utterance, this proclamation, this declaration of something that could be encouraging or maybe even a warning to someone. Remember when Jonah went to warn? I know he was apprehensive about doing it. He didn't want to do it and got himself into trouble and all that. But he went there and he did it by the inspiration of the Spirit. And when he did, it produced good things in the people's lives. They did what? They repented. They repented. Even though there was a warning there, it was a warning that got them to repent and do the right thing. Okay. So, some of the characteristics, and we have them listed for you. Some of the characteristics, number one, of someone that has this gift, has a strong desire to express the truth. A strong desire. Look at the book of Numbers. Chapter 13, this is Caleb. If you remember the story, here they are, about to enter the promised land. The 12 spies go out and spy out the land. Uh, 10 come back with an with evil report. 2 had a good report of faith. As they were talking and complaining about what they saw, we saw giants, we saw walled cities, this is a humongous mountain that we face, there's no way we can get in. Caleb, by the inspiration of the Spirit, speaks out, and what does he do? He encourages everyone, he exhorts everyone, he says, Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we're well able to overcome it. But now notice this is basically a declaration given to him to speak by the Spirit of God to the people that were confused and they were fearful and fretting because of what they heard. He speaks out by the Spirit and guess what they do? They ignore it totally. They ignore it. You see, you can become frustrated because people are overwhelmed by what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're feeling. And that's what happened to him. And as they went on, they murmured, they complained, they got upset, they said he brought us out here to die. Notice how they were overwhelmed by the information that they had and they were discouraged, not encouraged. And so he offers a word of encouragement. Why? Because he wants to express the truth. We're well able to do it. We can do it. But then secondly, another characteristic of it. They're alert to what is right or wrong. They're alert to what is right or wrong. Look at this in Numbers chapter 14. Once again, they're murmuring, they're complaining. We can't do it. There's no possible way. We're not going to make it. We should die. We should die. We should have gone back there. And what happens if the Lord, this is Joshua and Caleb, and what do they say? If the Lord delight in us, this is a proclamation. He will bring us into the land and give it us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Is that a word of exhortation? Is that a word of encouragement? Is that a divine inspiration? Inspired utterance that was given? And you know what? I'll show you that it came from God. Because when they heard those words, they picked up stones to stone them. Can you imagine two and a half million people picking up stones? Ready just to clobber you with them? And what happens in the next verse? But the Lord appeared in glory and protected them. God gave them a word of inspiration and encouragement. And also you could say a word of warning. This is truth. Don't rebel against the Lord. Pull it out of the people. Don't let them know. you're. But you see, when you say something like that, they get upset. They get offended. And they want to stone you. But what happened? The glory of the Lord appeared and protected Joshua and Caleb. And then 
next, they feel, they have feelings uh, like they're responsible to correct what is wrong. And that's all they're trying to do. Have you ever been there before when you try to really inspire someone and correct someone and give them the truth of God's word because you care about them? Remember, what's the motive? Love. To help them overcome evil and help them glue themselves to what is the good or what is the right thing. Well, this is what they tried to do, but they got shot down. Now, notice this. There are certain dangers that exist if you have this gift. If you have this gift manifesting in your life, this is so important. There are dangers connected to it. And number one, you can be too quick to judge people. And you want to avoid that. It's wonderful to be able to want to encourage somebody and warn somebody about wrongdoing. It could be that, you know, you, you, maybe they're involved in something that's, that's just not right. Uh, it could be um, something that's immoral. And you try to take them aside, encourage them by the anointing of the Spirit of God. You've got this proclamation that you want to share with them and encourage them and point some things out. And what happens is it could be received wrong. If you're not mindful of your motives then you can find yourself judging people too quickly. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, look at what it says. Judge not, why? That you be not judged. For what measure, with what measure you judge other people will be the measure that you're judged yourself. So really if you judge by any degree, that's coming back on you, it's coming back on me. So I'm not to look at other people with critical eyes and say I want to judge you for what you're doing but with an idea that I want to share truth with you to help you encourage you to rise up to a place where you can conquer whatever giant that you're facing or every situation that you're encountering in your life but there's a danger <clears throat> you got to have the right heart right motives right attitude number two you can also expose without restoring look at the book of Ephesians I'm, I'm sorry Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 <clears throat> brethren if any man be overtaken in a fault you which are spiritual, beat him up. <laughs> With the word. No, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness is your thoughts and attitudes towards someone else. Why? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You realize it can fall back on you when you judge someone else, criticize somebody else. You open expose yourself up to that judgment coming on you. So in other words, if you want to bring something to light, do it in the spirit of meekness, considering that person and considering yourself. And so you, you get them to a place of repentance. You get them to a place where you know, they understand there, there is a need for them to walk with God the way he said to walk with him. And then thirdly, and this is one of the characteristics we see in Peter's life, you can become pushy. Very pushy. Look in uh, Luke's gospel here. I'm sorry, Mark's gospel here. Look at what he says. This is, Je this is Jesus speaking, and then and Peter, this, two, two things here. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. That's the gospel right there. Jesus is telling them, I've got to go to a cross, I've got to suffer, I've got to die, I'm going to rise on the third day. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Pushy. Peter was one of those that just acts out without thinking. And he became pushy. Now I realize he didn't want Jesus to die, but he didn't take time to think it through, to really think about what Jesus said. Now when I see Jesus helping people that are involved in, let's say, wrongdoing, like the woman that was caught in adultery, what did he do? 
he led her to the place of repentance, but also he came against all his, the, her accusers and said, if you don't have any sin, cast the first stone. So in other words, don't judge unless you want to be judged yourself. He forgave her, but he said, but look, now don't go and don't sin anymore. In other words, think about what you're doing and how you're living your life. And so he's an example of someone that had perceived, he had great perception. He perceived what was in the hearts of men. And everything he said was in a, such a wonderful way, either of exhortation or warning. And so if you have that gift, it's a wonderful gift. But remember, you've got to be responsible to use it in a correct way and do it by faith. The second gift is serving. And this one should appeal to every single one of us because everyone's called to be a servant of the Lord, right? And to serve, when it comes to service, it's talking about looking at practical needs that exist. You're able to see them and you know that they exist and you have a burning desire to help people meet their needs or you help meet people's needs. You've got this craving within your heart to see to it that you invest in the lives of other people and you serve them. Um, it could be in any capacity. But once again, I believe that this is a gift that every single person probably should have within the body of Christ, one of service, because Jesus said he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And every single one of us is here to serve the Lord God and to serve one another. Now, some of the characteristics, number one, this person sees and meets practical needs. Look at the book of Philippians in chapter two. You see and you meet particular needs. And here's the thing to watch for. Sometimes when you see a need and it's just really just highlighted before you like on a billboard and you see it in a neon sign, then you go to Chuck and say, hey, Chuck, something's got to get done. Did you ever stop and think that maybe God was telling you to do something? He pointed it out to you and you saw it. Like there's a piece of paper over there on the floor. Chuck, go get it. Just pick it up yourself and throw it. There's a basket over there. Okay, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly to you that I may also may be a good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the Father he hath what? Served me in the faith. I want you to notice this. If you're humble, God will what? Promote you. He will lift you up. And Timothy was humble and he served Paul. And as a result of his service, he was then elevated or promoted, you could say, to the ministry of a pastor, pastoral ministry. But here we see that service is important. You see the needs of others, you meet the needs of others because it's in your heart. Number two, it disregards weariness. It disregards weariness. In the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 9, we're not to be weary in well-doing. You can get to the place in your life as a Christian where you just give and give and give and give and you're serving and serving and serving and serving. You know, but we're supposed to continue doing that. And we're supposed to continue in well-doing, giving our service to God. Why? Because we're servants. We're all servants of the Lord. And let us not weary in what? Well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't faint in whatever it is that you've been called to do. Don't faint when it comes to, oh, I'm always helping people. I'm always doing this and I'm always doing that. You know, the, the call to be a Christian is a call to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. And that means put other people and above you in yourself and prefer them above yourself. That's the call that's upon all of our lives. And so you see a need and you set out to meet that need and to help other people and to bless other people. And you don't faint in the well-doing. You say, but people don't appreciate it like, that, that, like they should. Did they appreciate Jesus? Hardly right 
So you see, no matter what, just keep on being a blessing and keep on serving because you're serving the Lord, your God. That's who you're serving. And you're serving people as well. But number three, has difficulty saying no. Are you out there? Hmm? Have you, are, you have a hard time saying no? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, you've got that gift. Now you've got to use your faith to use it. Sometimes you do have to say no. You realize that? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But you have a hard time saying no. You're always ready, willing, and able. Wanting to be a blessing to somebody else. Wanting to help someone else succeed. Wanting to pray pray a situation through with someone. You find yourself constantly giving. You could be serving, uh, let's say, families where they may even need a food or something like that. Maybe there's a funeral and you want to make a dinner or a a meal or something like that for them and take it over to the house. Or maybe you serve in a capacity where you send a card and you encourage that person. You can see these ministries can, you know, kind of come together and work hand in hand. And so you send a card to somebody. Now today you don't even need to send a card, send a text right just send yourself send a text they get the text and says that's if they're old enough or young enough to understand the text and how it works and all that now i'm not on facebook but i think how many are on facebook how many have no idea what facebook is (laughs) okay well anyhow that's how they communicate today but the thing is when someone crosses your mind when you're a servant and someone crosses your mind, you ever start out your day, or maybe in the middle of your day, and all of a sudden someone just comes to your mind? You know, think, think about this. There could be a reason for that. Say a little prayer, send a little text, just thinking of you, just want to encourage you. Whatever it might be, but, uh, but I, I, might get, I might do something wrong. Not if you're doing it in love. Not if you're truly caring about some person and you send them a little text, send them a card, send them a note. Whatever it might be, you're a servant, you're serving in any capacity. You know, again, when it comes to serving, we have all kinds of needs here in the church. We, we serve by sending cards to pe- people that are either in the military or those who are in college. Or we make meals for people that come out of the hospital or whatever the situation might be. A funeral that we said. We, we serve in many different ways and different capacities. But once again, when you're a servant and you find whatever your hand finds to do and you start serving that way, then promotion comes that way. Then God will take you and say, I can see that person can be someone I can use. And then also, uh, it goes the extra mile. You want to make sure that whatever job you're doing, you go the extra mile to make sure that it's done just right. This is a servant. Someone who serves. Someone who gives completely of themselves to see that the uh, need is met and other people are, are blessed. And so if that is part of who you are, it's part of your personality and your makeup. It could be that gift of God has been dropped in you that God wants you to explore and God wants you to use. When I look at our musicians and praisers and, and how they're dedicated to come and, and just continue to serve the Lord that way and provide music so that we can worship and praise God. When I think about um, the different things that people do as far as even giving, and that's one of the other gifts, but giving just to support the work of God. Serving, whether it's helping out with donuts, and it may seem something small, but they come and they sacrifice their time, efforts, and energy. Why? To be a blessing to other people. So, you know, if you have that on the inside of you, that could be your gift. Use it, and God will promote you. But then also, there are some dangers that exist to being that kind of a servant, a server. And number one, what is it? You provide unrequested help. In other words, you intrude in places maybe where you're not really wanted at that time. 
it's okay and th- th- you want to meet the need but it would be very beneficial for you to ask whether or not the help is wanted needed or desired because a lot of people can be more private and things are personal to them and that's fine and it's good to be able to want to help other people but make sure you ask and don't just take it upon yourself to do things because you want to do it so don't get involved to where you in let's say invade someone else's territory you don't want to do that but then secondly you can neglect responsibilities how about your own responsibilities and once again sometimes people are gung-ho when they first come to Christ they get involved in everything they possibly think in think of and getting involved in and the thing at home is left neglected or undone you know what I mean by that if there were times especially in my early walk of faith when we came to the to the Lord there were a lot of complaints from mainly husbands that their wives were so involved in serving other people and serving the Lord and serving here and there going to every Bible study going to every meeting you know and, and then doing everything they possibly could and there was neglect in the home with the family and that's just not the right thing to, and it works both ways husbands can get involved and do the same thing you know I know husbands that were so involved in the work of the church that they neglected their family it's okay to serve and we should be servants but we have to balance things out and see to it that we don't get to the place that we neglect our own family our own children etc and no matter what family needs to be ministered to amen, amen? and we can't neglect that just because we say we got duties and responsibilities but then also and this is so important we can overwork ourselves we can work beyond our physical capacity and limits look in the book of Philippians chapter 2 once again you can see this happening right here in this life Epaphroditus yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick for indeed he was sick nigh to death but God had mercy on him and not on him only but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow I send him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again you may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh to death not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me so here his giving of himself constantly pouring himself out constantly to the neglect of his own well-being and so once again it's important to balance things out and realize that we just we're, we can serve but don't get to the place that you neglect yourself you gotta meet your own personal needs as well so the enemy will use anything to destroy the work of God and destroy human lives and there's no question about that so make sure that you know once again you balance things out so Martha is really a good example of someone who is a server You'll notice we see about see her life in the Bible. What do we hear of? She served. Martha served. Mary was at the feet of Jesus. Uh, Lazarus was at the table with fellowship. But Martha served. And I think she got it in order at the end there. But notice her gift was serving. She desired to serve. And I believe that's pointed out for a reason because that was her gifting. But we got Martha and I mean Mary, where is Mary at? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, doing two things, worshiping and learning you can almost think that maybe she had the teaching gift that she wanted to glean as much light as she possibly could to maybe share with other people and when we say a teaching gift not necessarily to have to say she's not going to teach in a synagogue because that wasn't even allowed but to teach her children to teach people other people maybe other ladies and whatever but she probably had that gift on the inside of her because she was just wanted to learn so much from Jesus even for herself 
But Martha, she was one who liked to serve and she loved to serve. Do we have any servants here? Those who really like to serve and help meet other needs, people's, people's needs. I would believe almost everyone should want to fall in, in that classification, right? To give yourself completely to help other people succeed. Well, we all should have that same desire. And so once again, uh, we can speak by divine inspiration and help people by encouraging them. We can also be a servant. That could be your gift where you have this capacity within you to see these needs and meet those needs. You look for those needs to be met. And then finally, you can be a teacher. He talked about teaching. Once again, we're briefly going through these and this will be the last one here this morning. But you can be one who is gifted with the gift of teaching. And this is the ability given by the Spirit of God to clearly share the truth of God's word with other people and that's your burning desire within your heart and I know when I first got saved that just dropped within me a desire just to, to share truth with with God's people and there are some advantages to it but there's also some things we got to look out for but first of all number one some characteristics you have a desire to share truth in a systematic way and that means line upon line precept upon precept that's your desire to really share thoughts from God's word in such a way so as to impact people's lives and help them better understand how to apply the word of God to their own individual life number two they delight in researching details I think about you know we, Dave Goodman here teaches our, our class and uh, believer school of ministry class but you can see it I've seen it over the years the desire that he's always had to teach God's word okay and that was birthed within him by the spirit placed within him by the spirit and he gives a lot of detail as far as research detail okay remember the Bereans chapter look at Acts chapter 17 verse 11 remember the Bereans how they were these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether thing, those things were so the person who is a teacher has a desire to learn line upon line precept upon precept and that's why if you got more of a teacher pastor than a preacher pastor a preacher pastor he's just committed to getting you just juiced up wired up fired up not preach up a storm man when you walk out of here you got your hair up on the back of your neck and you're just full flame you, I'm Tom, you're hanging from the chandeliers how many of you know that when you hit the ground you better have some substance under there and a foundation because if you're not taught the word of God you're going to go out there and get whacked in the head by the devil how many of you know that and that's why I know that primarily my gift has been to teach to teach line upon line, precept upon precept. And you know what? I remember Brother Hagin saying this way back in his ministry. He goes, Lord, they don't want a teacher. They want a preacher to get them all wired up and fired up. And he said, I want you to teach. He said, well, I'll, gonna, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there. <clears throat> I'm going to teach. And you watch how boring I'm going to be. He went out there and he taught line upon line, precept upon precept. And there was a powerful anointing upon the ministry. Impacted the people in powerful ways. You add substance to their lives when you do that. It's one thing to say that no, God will help you. Okay? How? People don't know. Teach them the word. Teach them the word. Because then you can learn like Jesus did. Amen? And stand against the devil. And then also, thirdly, there's a need to validate truth. Look in the book of Luke. There's a need to validate truth. It seemed good to me also having the perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order most excellent Theophilus that thou mightest know the, the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed what's, what's uh, the writer here saying what's Luke saying I got to give it to you line upon line precept upon precept and validate the truth so that you can know for a certain from your heart that it's true so you can apply it to your life so whether you're uh, someone who 
exhorts or someone who serves or someone who teaches, it's important to understand the function. What's the function? To see to it that you promote love and that you abhor evil and that you cleave to what is good. That's the motivation behind it all. Okay, what are the dangers? And there are dangers when it comes to the teaching ministry. Very important. First of all, number one, you can get puffed up in pride. You get knowledge and knowledge puffs up. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. What does knowledge do? It puffs up. Not as touching things offered unto idols. We know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. But what does charity do? It edifies or it builds up. So I don't want to be so full of knowledge that I look down upon other people and condescend and come come across like as if I'm a know-it-all. I know everything and you don't know anything. We should never be that way. Matter of fact, I like it. always when I address people, I like to say, you remember when Paul said, or you, do you remember when Jesus said, Give them that benefit of the doubt to let them know this is what Jesus said, this is what Paul said, this is what Peter said, this is what James said about faith and how it works. And I'm sure you remember that. And if you don't, let me just remind you about that. So there's a danger. The second danger is you can be exposed to false doctrine. I can't tell you how many people, 1 Timothy 4.1, have got off course with God and entered into the place of false doctrine because they expose themselves to all kind of teaching. It is so important to stay close Stay close to what this word actually teaches and understand the whole concept of redemption. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Very subtle doctrines of devils. You talk, want to talk about subtlety? What about this? It may not be God's will to heal you. Really? And they've been taught that. That's a doctrine of a devil. It's like saying it may not be God's will to save you. You'd be up in arms if someone said that, wouldn't you? It's always God's will to help us, save us, deliver us, and all that. You can get caught up in teaching wrong things. And then this brings the third one. And look at this. Number three. There's greater judgment. James chapter 3 and verse 1. Greater judgment. My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or judgment. We can be judged in a harsher way. And that's not something that any of us, I think, want. So if you're going to teach God's word, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you know what you're teaching and what you're sharing. Go to God and make sure that you've, you know, sought his face and you understand the truth. And once again, not everyone knows everything. That's why when people say, tell me everything about the book of Revelation. Be ready. There you, that's what you need to know about the book of Revelation. Be ready. But I want to know who this is. I want to know who that is. I want to know who that is. Be ready. Because prayerfully, we'll be in the sky. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people.
With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.